we're going to try something different this morning. This is Bethel, so I don't know what different is anymore, but it'll be a little bit different. Um, at the Baptist Assembly this year, there was a session called One Passage, Four Voices. And they invited a couple of people, four people, unsurprisingly, uh, to spend some time with a passage of scripture and just share what came out of it for them, what the Lord sort of said to them, what it spoke to them uh, about the Lord. And it was incredible, just the, the beauty of what was shared. And I thought, that sounds so cool, especially after Saturday when Wales are playing and I haven't got a voice this morning. So um, we've asked a couple of people this morning to spend some time reflecting on the same scripture together, one passage. We're going to have three voices. Uh, I've given them all roughly seven minutes each, so I've told everyone now, you, you guys know. Uh, so perhaps Paul, Catherine, Nigel, you could come and join us. Uh, and we're going to turn together to Psalm 139, uh, and Linda's going to come and, and share that for us. I just want to say a quick, quick word on this, this passage. Uh, it's a beautiful poem, it's a beautiful prayer. Uh, what we're hearing as we hear these words are, are, are song lyrics, it's a worship song, uh, that eventually people thought together, this isn't just David's heart, this is our song. So as we hear this, just think about your heart before God today, as we share in Psalm 139. Thank you, Linda. Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is even on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become <laughs> night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, Lord, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. Oh, if only, God, you would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with such evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? And I bore those who are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Oh, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Thank you so much for bringing that alive for us, Linda. Thank you. And so we're going to just hear people's responses. We've been in a series thinking about the Apostles' Creed, and I know you can't quite read it all today, what it is that we belie or believe, um, but what is it that we that we believe about God, and how does believing in God as our creator affect our lives? Paul. So, um, yeah, I've heard preachers describe verses 7 to 12 as God pursuing us. Uh, it sounds a bit weird. Um, <laughs> perhaps the idea makes us a bit nervous. Well, however it sounds, I think this has happened many times in my own life. Sometimes I might be listening to a radio really striking song lyric or kind of uh, get into my head and really make me think. Mm. Um, and later on, perhaps many years later, I find out that somebody involved in writing that song was a Christian. And it's the same with books. I, I really like a good story. A and it turns out that so many of my favorite books have, have been written by Christians. Uh, I may not have known that at the time. Um, and then once I was uh, halfway around the world on a work trip on my own, for the first time, and, and had what some might consider a chance encounter with a local church and the Christians there who looked after me for the rest of the day. Um, I didn't consider that chance myself, but, um, but for me it was God very clearly saying that he can take care of me wherever I am. Another time, when I was young, I was at risk of becoming homeless, uh, and somebody I met only a few times mentioned the family he lodged with had a spare room and as a result I spent a really fantastic year living with a Christian family and their assortment of friends in a huge house 
it was just the thing that happened at the time, I think. That's how I felt at the time. But now I see it as God's provision at a really key time in my life. You see, when we invite Jesus into our lives, when we become Christians, he does exactly what we ask. And I think an important aspect of our salvation is that we're giving God permission to hang around with us. Um, God's always with us, of course, and at certain times, though, he seems to turn up in a really more obvious way when we least expect him. But perhaps like some of the characters in my favorite books. Um, and this is what I think the psalmist is getting at when he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you and the night will shine like the day for darkness is not light to you. So, as I was preparing this and I was thinking about this, two thoughts occurred to me. I have to be willing to accept, in all those examples that I spoke of, I have to be willing to accept, to walk towards what God is doing. And the other thought was, very often, God uses his people as, I suppose, kind of agents to perform his work. Um, so... I wonder how we might be as agents and whether we would even realize it. So may we be willing to accept God's work in our lives and may we be willing to be agents in God's work. Thank you, Paul. There's some great phrases in that, but I love the idea of, of giving God permission to hang out with us, to do life with us, the God who pursues us. Now Catherine's going to come and share her reflection. So interestingly, interestingly, it was the same part of the passage that struck me. But to me, it was a real challenge. For quite some time now, um, I thought I haven't known God's presence. I don't doubt his existence. Uh, I, I know he is there, um, and the, the creed is a really good way of showing that. We believe, uh, and to say those things when we don't feel it. So I don't doubt that God is there, but this passage that talks of his presence, that is wherever we go, I've found a real challenge. Um, we know that our experience of God can't always be based on our feelings and the importance of having deep roots. Uh, and I think, in that sense, my roots are deep enough that I've never questioned his being or his purpose, but his presence with me is much more challenging. Uh, it says in the New Testament that we should worship in spirit and in truth, and I feel I've got that truth, but the spirit, the spirit of worship that, that praises, that rejoices, I... I feel I've been missing that for quite a long time. Uh, it's almost as though if I met up with a friend and I was in their presence, but they were playing on their phone, that's how I sometimes feel that God is. That I come before him and I say, I want to worship you. I, I want to love you. I want to respond in the way that is appropriate, that you absolutely deserve. 
And instead of giving me that spark, that life that I'm asking for, he's sort of on his phone. He's not... That's how I feel. I know that's, that's not how it is, but that's been my perception. Um, I've tried reading the Bible more. I, I've set myself to it and said, right, I haven't got... I haven't got this feeling of God's presence, but I'm going to read anyway. I'm going to persevere with this. And after a couple of weeks, when, there's, when I've got nothing to give back, um, I sort of go, oh, what's the point? And the same with praying. And sometimes I've prayed really fervently. And I don't understand what God is saying or doing because I think... If I want proof that God loves me, you only have to look at the cross. He, he went so far to rescue us, to, to rescue me. He went to the absolute extreme so that he could be in a relationship. And that makes it really frustrating when I say to him, please, I, I don't have this spark of my own accord, but I do want this relationship. Will you give me that spark? And nothing comes. And I think, but why? Why would you go to such lengths? And then not respond to what to, to give that relationship so there's a lot that i don't understand and this challenge this passage uh, which initially i thought oh some 139 that's for fearfully and wonderfully made that's nice and safe then i read it properly and thought no that's not safe uh, that's a real challenge of course where my experience and the bible don't match up guess who's in the wrong that will be me so Although I don't experience this passage at the moment, um, in God's presence being me with, with me wherever I go, the challenge of reading it has been really helpful um, to sit through and read it bit by bit. Um, and it's not just a presence in the passage. It doesn't just say, where can I escape from God's presence? It's from his spirit. That's the spirit who was there at creation, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the spirit who lives in us when we invite him in. So that, that hit me, not just presence, but spirit. And it's not just a passive presence like I might have experienced, sort of not doubting he's there, but is he really listening? It says that he will guide and support. Those are really active words. Um, and I sort of, it made me feel a bit like I was under a spotlight. Here is his presence everywhere, whether I'm appreciating it or not. Um, and I've been challenged through it to the verse uh, in Matthew 7, 7, that we should ask, we should seek, and we should knock. And every time I've gone back, I've given up on that. It can't be done through my determination to find his presence, um, but I do need to play my part um, that maybe this passage, reading it, is the spark I've needed. Um, and certainly I felt a peace this morning in standing up and sharing something which I haven't really shared with many people. I have had that peace, and that is part of the presence of God. Um, so... Yes, I think maybe it's, it is the spark, it's the step forward I've needed. And I, I hope from reading it and being challenged by it, I'll take that on further, that it won't be something that stops here, but something that continues. And the poem that John read this morning about grace 
being enough in all those times where it feels empty and it feels hollow, the grace is enough. I, I think that's something as well to hold on to, that we are promised God's presence, his spirit, his guidance, his support. Um, I, I need to hold on to and pursue that um, much more actively. Thank you for your honesty, uh, Catherine. Anyone else felt like that at times? So nervous to say it, aren't we? But when we do, I find that others have had similar struggles, similar challenges, and similar glimmers of the way in which God's presence is present, but in a different way, perhaps, than, than we were expecting. So, thank you. Nigel. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Why was I sitting in this chair? <laughs> I am wonderfully made. <laughs> I'm left-handed. Yeah? Yeah, many of us who are left-handed control 6 or maybe 10% of the population. So, yeah, half a dozen or so joined me this morning here. Wonderfully made. And yet, gauche, sinister, Clumsy. Clumsy is an Anglo-Saxon word for left-handed. Cack-handed. I don't know what the word is in Welsh. I'll, I'll find out later, probably. <laughs> Perhaps because of that, all my life I've been shy. There are benefits. That wonderful day when somebody showed me how to do a tick. Now, all you right-handed people will know that you do that with a flourish. If you're left-handed, you force the tick. But when you're shown the joy of a left-handed tick. <laughs> <laughs> but there are disadvantages as well. I can't use forces properly. Just so you know that I can't use an iron, a steam iron, because the, the flex goes all the way the wrong way. In fact, most technology is designed right-handed people. Even in school, when they were writing, you smudge as you're writing. And in fact, you can usually tell a left-handed person because this bit of their hand, even today, either has pencil or ink, in my case, paint. I'm disorganized. I'm generally messy. I'm told I'm in creative, which means good company, Leonardo da Vinci. Now, there is a left-handed man. <laughs> Not only did he write in mirror writing, but he started in the right side, and he peeled to the left margin. And yet he was doing magnificent drawings. He, he understood everything about each one of us. Michelangelo, Einstein, Napoleon, Winston Churchill, all left-handed. Although I'm sure it's not very far to go to make another list of people who were left-handed who were maybe not quite so. I enjoy drawing. I enjoy painting. I recently discovered the joy of colour. It would take far longer, John, than seven minutes for me to tell you about colour, but I won't. <laughs> Probably been an outsider most of my life. 
thank God I've had an understanding wife who for over 50 years has been my best friend. And through an unenviable task it has been to clean up after me. <laughs> and yet she's been my Christian guide for all these years. And now, later on, I've discovered I've got some incredible Christian friends rescued me. I am wonderfully made. It took me a long time to understand the relationship between these God and equal and deserving. But having discovered it, my life has changed to appreciate what undeserving love really means. How to trust in good times and in bad. Grace and mercy. That's the important thing. Grace and mercy. This has been so important for Chris and me through COVID, the two years or so of COVID, and then 12 months after that when we had a terrible family upheaval. We had to isolate for so long. We had to withdraw from all the things that we were so enjoying. I believe that God has this incredible sense of humor. When things were just starting to get a little bit brighter, in November last year, I was diagnosed with bowel cancer and needed an operation. <laughs> it was devastating news, as you can imagine. Now, I don't share these things with people, but friends and family gathered round and prayers were offered. Within a few weeks, I was in UHW and had about this much of my tubing removed. With these robots and keyhole surgery, I was back home just before Christmas. A month of recuperation followed. And then a month of self-injected needles twice a day. Now, you've got to remember, these injections were going into my, my stomach. I'm left-handed and I'm needle-holding, okay? <laughs> and then five months of chemotherapy tablets and their horrible, horrible side effects. And, of course, the... The three weekly cycles of visits to Valindra, Liquid Blood, Newcastle. In all of this, I had to accept my total vulnerability and the acceptance of all the things that the doctors and the specialist nurses told me. Total surrender. Isn't this what God wants from us? In all of this, I realized that this relationship with God that I've been discovering, what we've been building up to, the fear of cancer, the possible outcomes, the possibility of death, it seemed to vanish. A voice inside me was telling me, don't worry, Nigel, I have a plan. And whatever happens, 
my faith in God, the encouragement from Chris, and the realization that Jesus really was not only my incredible friend and savior, but he was a constant companion to me. It's incredible how God used this opportunity over the past months to allow me the privilege to talk to the other patients who are in the hospital with me and who I met a few afterwards, and, and, and the doctors and the nurses who were worried about my well-being, and I could share with them something even better. <laughs> it's been a long time. And then, seven, eight weeks ago, at the end of July, I was given the all clear. Hallelujah. Prayers really were answered. I am totally blessed. I am wonderfully made with a re renewed knowledge that my saviour, friend, and constant companion is by my side. And this is available to each one of us. Yes. Wonderfully made. And thank God I'm left-handed too. <laughs> the best is yet 